Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. Last Sunday was the first in the Now series. Not now. Not now. That's the, I told you, I'm starting with the hardest sermon, the one you don't want to hear. That's over. Okay? Tonight's message is, is right now. How many like that better? I thought you would. If you have your Bibles, if you'll take those, the second chapter of Joel. Joel chapter 2, I want to read the 28th and 29th verse. These words were spoken through the prophet Joel in the power of the Holy Spirit in the 8th century B.C. And it shall come to pass afterward, what is afterward? After the coming of Messiah, after the coming of the just one. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Eight hundred years later, turn to Acts chapter 2. For eight hundred years... I said, Lord, this, is this the year that you pour out the Holy Spirit? Is this the year? Not now. Not this year. Not this decade. Not this century. Not now. Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly. It's a strange word to use, isn't it? After 800 years. <laughs> 800 years later, suddenly, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, and it all happened suddenly. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we lift up this night to you, and we pray for Sunday morning. Lord, I'm praying that you will fill this house with people who come for curiosity's sake or to hear the sermon on the movies, but that when the Holy Spirit through the power of Jensen Franklin gives that message and that altar call Sunday morning, Lord, I'm believing that that anointing will fall and that many, many people will find the Lord Jesus Christ. And now tonight, Lord, we pray that you will speak to our hearts and our minds in this place, those who are part of our congregation and fellowship through the internet, wherever they are, God, I'm praying that you will invade them with a word of joyful immediacy. We believe you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. When the years of delay... The long, painful season of not now is finally over. The answer of God is all right, right now. Pentecost, for example, came suddenly from heaven. Suddenly that morning, after 800 years of mornings, 
after waiting for the prophecy of Joel to be fulfilled for eight centuries. But when the Holy Spirit came, he came suddenly. On Sunday morning, we talked about waiting on God. Yes, it's an important message. But when the answer comes, now, when the word comes now, this is it, now, move. It's perfect in its timing. It seems to come in a rush, suddenly, and it's always perfect. Remember when you were a kid? Christmas seemed like it would never get here. Do you remember that? Do you remember before you could really understand the calendar? Do you remember that? I can remember peering up at the, at the incomprehensible grid of squares on my mother's kitchen wall. And mother, is it Christmas yet? Not yet. It seemed to me that the other 364 days dragged. But on Christmas, you ran downstairs on that glorious morning, and there it all was, treasure upon treasure upon treasure. And it was perfect. The other 364 days were forgotten. I, I am the father of three, and grateful to be the father of three, neither having, not ever having had to give birth to three. <laughs> I wanted to be involved in the other end of the operation, not in the delivery. Allison told me that she was pregnant with our third child for four years. She said that was the longest nine months of her life. But you know, when that baby comes, when that, when they bring that little baby forth, it's all done suddenly and the nine months disappears. The swollen ankles are gone. All the pain, all of that is finished. And there's that glorious, perfect little answer. What, a, what about you? What about the issue of responding to God's timing? We talked about waiting, but what about finding that moment when God says, all right, you've been faithful, you've been patient, you've waited, now no more waiting, no more delays. Do it now. Do it right now. How do we know when God's timing says right now? We talked about the so-called Battle of Jericho, how they marched day after day, six days around the seventh day, seven times. But there is this verse buried in the story of Joshua. It says, and when the walls fell, each man went straight up. There is that moment when the walls stand before you. You can walk by faith. You believe God but the opportunity simply doesn't present itself. The walls are still there. You believe God, you wait on God, you claim it by faith. But when that moment comes, when the wall before you topples, then to delay is as disobedient as to run ahead of God. How do we find that moment of right now? Well, the first answer is so easy to say, and even as I was preparing this message, 
I said to myself, people are going to say, great, that sounds easy. How do I do that? But here it is, sensitivity to the voice of God. Now, that's easy to say, isn't it? But learning to hear the voice of God is a life work. I, I, I read these passages. I'm going to mention, I'm going to mention five men in scripture who heard the voice of God. But the Bible does not tell us in any of the five what the voice sounded like. We, we, we get this kind of Hollywood view of God speaking to men like Noah and Abraham and Jonah and David and Philip. And we, we think it's the, the voice of Charlton Heston coming out of the clouds. Arise and build me an ark. <laughs> was it? Maybe it was. Maybe it was. I've never, I've never heard the audible voice of God. I, I know people who say they have heard it. I don't have any reason to doubt them particularly. It's just not in the, in the realm of my own personal experience. But that doesn't mean that I haven't heard the voice of God. It means I haven't heard the audible voice of God. So therefore, it makes me think that when God spoke to Noah or Abraham or Jonah or David or Philip, why do I believe it had to sound different than it sounds to me? God spoke to Noah, build, build this ark. Start on it. I don't... I cannot even imagine this. You have to understand this is a man who's never seen rain. It has never rained. I'm going to bring a deluge. Build the ark. How do you hear that? There has to come that life work. That can't be the first time Noah ever heard from God. You have to be able to sort out Amidst all of the competing voices that long for, ache for, and war for your attention, there has to come the life work of hearing God's voice, that that voice is different from all of those other voices. And there comes that moment where God says, arise now and do it. Abraham, Abram, God says, arise, get up from Ur of the Chaldees and go out. So far, it seems difficult, but not impossible. All right, Lord, I hear you. Where? I'll show you later. See, that's where it gets hard. <laughs> and then there's this awkward moment too, isn't there? Where having heard from God, now is the moment, now's the time. Nobody else in the story has heard from God. Like, you know, his wife. He goes to Sarah. Pack the camel. God has said we have to leave. Why? He didn't say. <laughs> Where are we going? You know, he didn't mention that. <laughs> that, that, can't be, that can't be the first time Abram ever heard from God. Jonah struggled with hearing the voice of God, agonized over it. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the word that I give you. I hear you, God. I cannot obey that. I'm fleeing. I'm leaving. Swallowed in the belly of the fish three days. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do it. Even obeying you is better than living in a fish. <laughs> and the Bible says, I love the graphic language of the Bible. 
The Bible says the fish vomited him up. Isn't that great? You know, there are more than one of us that has to be covered in vomit before we will obey God. Jonah's there on the beat. God speaks yet again. Now go to Nineveh. The voice of God, the whole contest between Jonah, it's a wrestling match between Jonah and God. But Jonah's just agonizing. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. David, but God speaks to David clearly through the prophet, not, not the audible voice, not the inner voice, a prophetic utterance. You're to be the king. He's a, he's a little boy, a shepherd boy. You're supposed to be the king. You'll be the king. Imagine hearing that over and over and over again. Men in scripture struggled with hearing, believing, and obeying. Not the least of these is Philip the evangelist in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 8, when the first wave of persecution bursts upon the church in Jerusalem, he goes up to Samaria and God gives him the entire city. Waves of miracles. Signs, wonders, a whole city saved, the whole city water baptized, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the great Pentecostal outpouring through the ministry of Peter and John when they arrived from Jerusalem. And then God says, now arise and go down that road toward Gaza, which is desert. That, that must have been a challenge to hear that. Now, Lord, now, get up and go now. Get up and go right now. He walks down the road. There's this man in the chariot reading the book of Isaiah, struggling with it. And God says, now approach that chariot. Listen to the next verse. Approach that chariot. And the Bible says that Philip ran to the chariot. That moment, that, that beautiful, perfect Christmas morning moment when you've waited and waited and waited and waited and there's the bicycle under the tree. There's the opportunity. The wall falls down. Let every man go straight up. When you know it's the morning, this is the time. This is the place. Get up and load the camels. Let's go. That doesn't come easily. It doesn't come without a lifetime of struggling to hear God and sometimes missing. The practice of obedience increases your ability to hear. The more often you are able to hear and obey God, the more often, the more you're liable you are to be able to hear. Likewise, the longer you listen, the longer you refuse to listen, the less likely you are to hear. Also, it's harder to hear what you don't want to hear. Let's go back to Abraham. It was one thing for God to say, get up and leave her the Chaldees and go to that land that I will show you, but go forward. Go forward decades. The fulfillment, the promise of a son has been fulfilled. Abraham is a father. Finally, through the mistake which we talked about on Sunday of Ishmael, now Isaac has been born. The promise has been fulfilled God's way, miraculously, through Sarah. The beautiful, supernatural fulfillment of the promise. Surely, Surely it's all settled. He can rest. He can sit and wait. He, he's retired. 
Everything's great. He's ready to turn it all over to Isaac. Everything is great. And then comes what? The voice of God. Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. That's an interesting turn of phrase in Scripture. That's, that's in Scripture. Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. When God says right now, now listen to this, he will not try to pretty it up. When he says, I want you to obey me, he's not going to sugarcoat it. Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and go into the mountain that I will show you and offer him for a sacrifice. Can you, can you imagine the heart-rending, gut-wrenching agony of hearing God say, now, now, right now, do it now. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And it says, the next morning, Abraham arose. The next morning, Abraham arose. Now, how can I, how can I tell if God is saying now, right now? Let me give you a simple test. Can I? Any of you ever done uh, offshore boating? yachting or sailing or anything uh, along the coast, then you'll know what I'm talking about. It's evening time. You're approaching the, the, um, the shoreline, and, and you want to turn into the channel, but it's getting dark. <laughs> and if you miss the channel, if you turn too early, you're going to drive your boat up on the rocks. If you turn too late, you'll drive your boat up on the rocks. So you go along the shoreline, Looking at the shore this way, waiting for the, waiting for the channel. There are channel lights that come out from the shore, out from the shore, all the way out along the channel. As long as you can see multiple lights, don't turn. <laughs> if you can see all the lights like this, you turn to, you're too early. So you slow down, cut your wake and slow down and go slowly along until the lights line up. Now the lights are all in the line. Now you turn. What are those lights? One is the light of the scripture. God will never say anything to you or to anybody which is contradictory to scripture. If you will settle that one thing in your mind right there, it can spare you driving your boat on the rocks over and over again. God will never, ever contradict scripture. That's the first thing. The second light may be wise counsel. Those people, I'm not just talking about some nutcase off of the street. I mean people who have invested in your life, who love you and care about you and whose wisdom and knowledge and understanding you trust. When, that, when the scripture and, and those words begin to line up, somebody says, yes, I, I believe that may be the Lord. It begins to line up. The third is opportunity. There was no use for every man in Joshua's army to go straight up until the walls fell down. When the wall falls, go straight up. So you're going along. Lord, I hear you. I hear you telling me now, right now. I waited all the time when you said, not now, not now. I hear you saying right now. Is it you? 
It seems to line up with scripture. The wisest counsel and people in my life are telling me, yes, the opportunity is there. Turn and go in. Now go in slowly. Cut your wake. Turn slowly and start into the channel. But you no longer have to pray. Is this your will? Is this your will? Is this your will? Suppose you went to your mom's house. I don't know if you understand this. My mother believes that the act of true son-to-mother love is to overeat. <laughs> my, my mom feels that unless you have had more than a real rational human being should eat, you don't love her. So imagine I go to my mom's house and I sit down at the dining room table and she comes out of the kitchen and puts a plate full of food and a fork down there and she goes back in the kitchen. And I, I call, mom, mother, mother, what, what's your will in this matter? What's your, what's your will? Do you, what do you want me to do? I see this food and this plate and this fork. I need your guidance. What, what's your will? Now, I don't know what your mother's like. I don't know. I was raised by a ferocious she-lion. <laughs> no, my mom would come out of that kitchen and say, what's the matter with you? You're in your 60s. Are you a nincompoop eat? <laughs> Sometimes I feel like when the, the lights are all in a row, God says, this is the moment. Here's the opportunity. It's all before you. And he's speaking to us and we just sit there. We Cut the motor and sit there in the channel. Lord, what's your will? What's your will? What's your will? He says, did I knock the wall down? Go up. <laughs> there comes that moment where God says, I've told you not now. I told you, you waited, you've been faithful, you've been patient. Now is right now. Now is right now. Now, what if I, what if I miss God? What if I fail to obey in the right now moment. Sometimes God will keep calling as he did with Jonah. God is a patient and loving God. It's harder to miss God than you think it is because God will keep on speaking. But I have to tell you that there can come a time where God says, I gave you a moment. I gave you a right now. You didn't take it. And that's over. It doesn't mean I won't give you another right now. It doesn't mean I won't give you another opportunity, but that opportunity has gone. C.S. Lewis said God never deals with what ifs or might have beens. Sometimes the right now moment passed, we never get it again. I'll tell you one of the most empty and disappointing moments in my preaching life. Now, I was an evangelist in the Methodist church. I got a fairly high number of invitations where the pastor of the church didn't really want me to be there. His people, you know, would want me to be there. They'd say, why don't you ask Mark Rutland to come preach? Ask Mark Rutland. So finally, you know, he'd give in. Okay, fine. And so I'd get these invitations from pastors in Methodist churches. Would you come and preach? I, please say no. You know, but I was starving. I told you that. I wanted to go, so I would go. Well, I got an invitation like that at a church, frankly, not all that far from here. And I knew, I knew going up there that the pastor didn't really want me there. He knew I was a charismatic. He was afraid I was going to preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God forbid his people might actually, you know, receive or something. <laughs> 
So I thought on the way up there, I, I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to preach a simple salvation message and calm him down. I just, I'll just preach salvation. As I drove along, I began to pray, and I began to, not, not a voice in heaven, I began to feel this thought come in my mind very strongly about a certain message I had preached on forgiveness that I had used exclusively and only to teach in women's conferences. And I said, no, 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 Lord. I, you see, that's, a, that's a, for the women's conferences. Because, you know, there are things a lot of times God will speak to you and he hasn't got all the information. And you know, have to, so, Lord, I, you know, I hear you. That's, I'm sure that's a good idea in your mind, but... But that's, that's a women's thing. And I began, it really began to bother me until, and finally, I literally, I had to put it away from me. No, I, that's, that can't be the Lord. I, I'm distracted. That's a distraction. And I, I got up and preached that morning and I hadn't been preaching five minutes. I know you sit out there and you think the worst thing in the world is to sit through the wrong message. It's not. The worst thing in the world is preach the wrong message. You, you launch the wrong ship and you know in five minutes this sucker is dead. And there's nothing to do. There's nothing to do. You just go on and finish it. The whole time Jesus sitting in the front row with his arms crossed saying, you're on your own boy. <laughs> do your best. <laughs> And I did, I preached and I gave an altar call. It was a salvation message. And you know, I think if memory serves me, that several people even got saved. God will, God will use anything. And then we, we finished and the pastor said, it's my custom to shake hands with the people at the back door. I said, great, I'll go with you. So we were shaking hands with the people and everybody left. And the pastor turned to me and he said, well, I, I hate to tell you this, but he said, actually, I was dreading you coming this morning. He said, that, that was a, you, you relieved my mind. That was a great, that was a great sermon. That really relieved my mind this morning. I didn't know what you'd preach on, but that, that did not help me. It was like somebody turning a knife in my stomach. Every word he said, I said, well, you know, thank you. Glad I could please you and not God. It was, <laughs> he said, well, would you like to go to lunch? I said, sure, that'd be great. And just as we started to leave, one more person came out of the church. A little lady, just thin little lady, an older woman, looked like a little bird, hands up like this, bent over. And I put my hand out like that to shake hands with her, and she just went and went on down the steps, went off. And the pastor turned and looked off after her like this, just like this. And then he turned and he said, there's no way you would know who that is. But he said, that used to be one of the most vibrant and joyful Christians I've ever known in my life. He said, two years ago, her daughter was raped and murdered in a park in Atlanta. And he said, bitterness is killing that woman. And he said, you know, Dr. Altman, it's killing this church. He said, sometimes I think the only thing that's holding back a move of God in this church is for that woman to forgive. Oh, my God. Oh, I said, Pastor, I, I can't go to lunch with you. I'm sorry. 
I said, I'll see you back at the night service. I'll be back at the, for the night service, but I, I need, I need the afternoon. I went out in my car and I put my head over on the steering wheel and I said, Oh God, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. Please forgive me and help me not to miss you like that and disobey you like that any more than I absolutely have to. But I said, I'll preach it tonight. And I heard the Lord say, no, no. If I ever want that sermon preached in this church, I'll get somebody else. Don't ever preach that message in this church. I trembled. I begged. And I heard the Lord say, no. I gave you a moment. That moment will never come again. The power of right now. It doesn't mean that God invalidated my place in the universe or that I lost my salvation. It means that that moment the walls had fallen down and I failed to go up. That's, that's awkward and embarrassing and difficult for me to tell you that story. If you will all email me one of your darkest moments. <laughs> no, it would help me in sermons to come. You sit out there looking so religious. No, but that, that moment told me when God says right now, it, it may, it may be that he will keep speaking. It may be that he'll keep coming. It may be that he'll keep calling, but you can't count on that. When God says right now, move. Right now, obedience unlocks the supernatural. Allison and I were at a Holy Spirit conference back in the early 80s. I was speaking and had given the invitation to, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There was a good number of people that came forward. But I sensed in my heart there was some sort of a hindrance. There was another brother there whose name is Mark, a precious friend of mine, lifetime friend named Mark Nicewander. And he came over to me and whispered in my ear. He said, I feel that there's a blockade. Something's wrong. And, and I, I said, I sense it too, Mark. I, I don't know what it is. He said, I believe the Lord has told me what it is. Will you let me have the microphone? I said, yes. He spoke. He said, listen, I believe God wants to pour his spirit out in this house. But he said, there's somebody here in this room that God is speaking to, to do something. Something simple. I don't know what it is, but he said, it's not general. It's not for everybody. This is not for everybody. Specific. There's somebody in this room to whom God is speaking and you know it and you know it's you and you know I'm talking to you now. And your failure to obey is impeding the work of God tonight. And a lady in the back shrieked and came forward and pulled her diamond ring off and laid it on the altar. And <laughs> she said, I'm free. I'm free. And I mean, people poured to the front of that church. People came up, people received. I don't know. I told Mark, I said, get the ring quick. Get, no. <laughs> no, I mean, people poured to the front of that church. They were weeping and crying. And I realized that the issue was that, that her act of surrendered obedience unleashed the supernatural. It, it is not necessarily the right, what the right now moment does for you. 
It may be that your act of obedience affects the supernatural move of God in another realm. You may not ever even know about it. When God speaks to you and says, there's the thought, you're, you're at your house working, doing something, you're at your place of business, and, and the word, not, not the voice in the sky, but in your spirit, in your mind, you get this sense, I should, I should pray right now for this. I should pray for that person. I should, and you say, I'll do that as soon as I leave work. God says, no, right now. Right now. Bow your head and say the prayer. It may unleash the power of the supernatural. Your act of obedience here may affect things supernaturally there in a way that you may, you may never even get to see it or know about it. Those are the right now moments. What, ha, what has God been saying to you? Repeatedly, you've heard it over and over and over again. You know, you even know as you're sitting there while I'm talking, you're sitting there saying to yourself, wonder why all these people came to hear my sermon. Isn't that right? You said, this was for me. I know what God's been telling me to do. Forgive this person. Go there, do that, give that, obey. What have you been delaying about? Where do you need to go? What is it that you need to do right now, right now? What is it that you need to give away, get rid of, let go of? To whom do you need to apologize? Who do you need to forgive? When will the someday become right now? What blessing of God, what supernatural move of the Spirit for you or for someone else is waiting on the moment of right now? For you to hear and believe and obey. I have a lifetime struggle with the voice of God. I've never heard the audible voice of God. There have been times where I knew God was speaking to me. I felt it. Then I didn't know it. And maybe nobody else in this room has ever wrestled with trying to understand the will of God. Am I called to this? Am I not called? Should I go? Should I not go? Agonizing. Agonizing over things. But here's the, here's the thing that I've learned. When you finally say, yes, Lord, I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense to me. I have to tell you, Lord, this is not good to me. But I hear you. And he says, all right, when will you do it? And I say, all right, Lord, right now. Right now. The minute you start, I'm not talking about after oceans and oceans of travel, but when you finally say, all right, Lord, now, he says, now, right now, and you say, yes, the first, the first step, there is an absolute flood of relief. There is an absolute ocean of peace. You just say, you, you may not even have arrived at the destination. You may not see the end result, but there is this, Wonderful 
moment of knowing that you've put your foot to the right path at the right, right now. I believe that there may be people in this house tonight for whom some point of obedience has become a point of contest between you and God. I don't know what it is. I, I'm not trying to, I'm not, I can't mention every possibility. A relationship that he's telling you to end and you keep saying, but Lord, I just need to make one more phone call. I need to talk to her one more time. I need to see him one more time. And God always says the same thing. No, right now, right now. I believe that in my heart, that there are relationships here that God is saying, I want that to end. I want it to end right now. Directions. I, uh, I want to say the joy that God will give you. I don't want to make this sound like grinning. I was preaching uh, not too far from here, at the, actually at the First United Methodist Church in Marietta some years ago. I preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Dr. Charlie Sineth was the pastor. It was a wonderful altar call. And a precious lady came to the altar. And I, it happened to be the lady where I was going to go to their house for dinner after the service. She came to the altar, and God was really moving on her life. She said, I have a house full of priceless antiques. She said, I have decorated my house with antiques. She said, I don't even know the value. When you get to dinner tonight, you're going to be stunned. She said, I do not believe I can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit until I tell God he owns those. I said, all right, I, I don't know if that means you have to give them all to the church or what it means, but if you will obey him and surrender, say they, they're yours right now, the relief will come and you can receive. And she prayed it, weeping. She said, okay, God, I give you everything in my house. It's yours. All you have to do is say, and it's yours. I prayed with her. She received the Holy Spirit. Then uh, afterward, I was talking with her and her husband, and she said to her husband, she said, Dr. Utland, Dr. Sineth, his wife, some all come to the house. She said, it's freezing cold outside. She said, I'm worried about the dog. She said to her husband, you go on to the house. Go to the house and get something and cover the dog up and I'll bring Dr. Rutland with me as soon as he's finished talking with everybody here. So we drove across town. We drove up in front of a gorgeous house. I mean, this house was a stunner. We pulled in the driveway and the headlights hit the house and she stopped her car and put her head over on the steering wheel and burst out laughing. She was laughing so hard she couldn't even talk. And I said, ma'am, what is funny? She just kept saying, the dog, the dog, the dog. She was laughing. I said, I don't get it. She said, oh, I sent my idiot husband home to cover the dog. <laughs> That's a $35,000 quilt. <laughs> I said, well, we'll get it. She said, no. I gave it to God. If he wants to give it to the dog, it's his. <laughs> there's, this, there's this moment of release, of deliverance. There's this moment of, of joy and surrender. The right now moment of God is the moment of supernatural blessing. 
and the sense of relief that floods you. Now, here's the thing. As I close, listen to this. Now is always the intersection between your will and the eternity of God. You will never get saved later. You will never receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit later. You will never obey later. It will always be in one now or another. You have to, now is where the eternity of God intersects with your will. Every single second, every minute, this minute, this now, this now, right now. The supernatural power of God is ready to intersect with your will. Just one minute, this minute. Dr. Benjamin May wrote, just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. This moment, for some of you in this room right now, is right now. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.